7.42. So as a solution to overcome um, really what is seen as an impasse in the manufacturing industry, we've talked a lot about these deadlocks, haven't we, in various areas of our news focus today. But uh, this time, the Ministry of Trade, Industry and Energy announced on Tuesday a plan to duplicate the so-called Guangzhou model of job creation in other cities across the country. This will apparently create some 26,000 new jobs by 2022. And hopefully these will be well-paid jobs as well. Under the plan, Zhengzhou will be transformed into a manufacturing place for hydrogen buses and trucks, while Daegu will host a new infrastructure to test self-driving cars. But the Guangzhou scheme itself, which aims to create up to 12,000 jobs, including potential spin-offs, is still facing an uncertain future amid a negotiation deadlock. Let's bring into the show again Dr Ian Greer, Senior Research Associate in the School of Industrial and Labour Relations at Cornell University, who was our guest last week while he was participating in an international forum on decent work in Seoul. Thank you once again for taking the time. Good to be talking with you again. So picking up where we kind of left off, critics are arguing the Guangzhou model of job creation is a, is a social dumping practice. You've actually written a chapter in a book about social dumping in the auto industry in Europe. Can you explain what that concept even is? Yeah, so social dumping comes from uh, the European discussion about um, kind of the development of manufacturing and how it should uh, take place in different countries. And there was, uh, for a long time, this this accusation from um, politicians and journalists in rich countries that, that poor countries were just getting the jobs because they were cheaper, because they had... Uh, worse uh, wages and labor conditions, and this was considered unfair. Um, So, I mean, okay, what were they getting at? They were getting at this problem that uh, multinational corporations um, are taking advantages of differences in labor conditions um, to reduce, uh, well, to become more competitive. and this is something that's really controversial, especially that trade unionists uh, don't want to go along with because it can be used to ratchet down wages and uh, and worker protections. So you mentioned Europe. Um, and, and when we talk then about the Guangzhou model of job creation, that in itself may be seen as benchmarking experiments overseas. C- can you tell us a bit more about some of the notable cases of Europe and North America as well? Yeah, so, I mean, from what I've heard, this is based on the VW example. So about 10 or 15 years ago, there was a big project called 5,000 times 5,000. And this was in the context in Germany of of concession bargaining, where management and also government people were going to the union and they were saying, well, well, um, in order to have jobs for unemployed people, for young people, we need to have... uh, lower wages, so the company will invest. Um, And, you know, uh, they created, they built a new factory in Wolfsburg um, at a lower pay scale. These were quite physical jobs. Um, They were substituting technology. They were hiring more people using less uh, uh, automation. And this was happening at the same time that there was more outsourcing. Um, so there were some really low-wage jobs being created in Germany. And and workers in higher-wage jobs were being 
benchmarked, as you say, against these these lower wage jobs. And this was part of a broader pattern of restraining German workers' pay increases. Um, and okay, manufacturing jobs expanded in Germany, but it was um, you could say it was at a cost to to the workforce of of about a decade of of wage restraint, where real wages didn't really increase that much. Well, going you know, back to the discussion of the Guangzhou model, another source of scepticism has to do with the vehicle type the plant would be assigned to manufacture. Industry analysts are saying that we're already making enough SUVs for the domestic market, and it's kind of ironic in a sense that the Guangzhou model, which other regions in this country are looking to follow, itself hasn't been able to take off properly. Yeah, well, you know, that's that worries me too about the Guangzhou model with uh with the car factory because um if you when you have excess capacity, when you build up when a company builds up more capacity than they need to make a certain kind of car, um this creates an opportunity for them to to compare the two auto plants. So the so they can so the company can look to the workers who are making the same vehicles that are being made for lower wages in Guangzhou and say well why don't you guys have the same worse conditions that they have over there and in addition having that excess capacity is really expensive for management so it puts pressure on them to do so um, to demand more concessions from workers and this is something we've seen over and over again at, in Europe North America in the auto industry right now with the plant closures in North America and General Motors this is exactly what's going on management is under pressure because they've they've expanded capacity beyond what what the market can absorb but also seems to be under pressure because they they just simply don't accept, in, in some cases it would appear, the demands of labor unions or, or the gap between the, the business model based on the, the, the sort of free flows of supply and demand are completely out of sync in, in some cases, if you hear from the management side, with that of the labor unions. Yeah, of course. Management says uh, it's we can't be competitive if we pay high wages uh if we adhere to health and safety standards if we uh if we hoard labor and avoid laying people off on the other hand um you know there's a reason why these auto companies pay higher wages and have more stable jobs than other manufacturing companies and that's because they benefit from holding on to skilled labor, to developing workers' skills, and to to avoid having other employers poaching uh, uh, workers from the auto plants. You know, if, if workers have to go work in fast food jobs in order to, to feed their families, this is obviously a bad thing for manufacturers. This is something that they've been trying to avoid for a long time. So demanding demanding uh, uh, wage cuts can be quite a short-sighted uh, proposition from a management perspective. Yeah, whereas the Guangzhou model mandates regular employment, sensible working hours, fair business relations for subcontractors, the, the latter of those points has been particularly contentious of late because of some tragedies surrounding subcontracted workers. Um, I mean, based on your expertise and, and insight and into this... Is there a way to have a win-win 
situation with the Guangzhou model? Well, you know, I think it's really interesting what uh, they're doing with with suppliers, and um, you know, if the the union should really look at that and look at how you know if there's anything um, being done in Guangzhou that that really helps workers that they could expand uh, to other places. Maybe they want to trade off pay and collective bargaining rights against other things like uh, better working conditions, um, better working time models, um, especially at suppliers. I mean, yeah, this is a big problem in Korea. uh, And so it must be something that unions there are looking at. If the Labour side, though, were to concede collective wage bargaining, um, given the desperation that many people will feel for for getting a job, is that a concession too far? Yeah, well, okay. If workers are under pressure um, to accept wage concessions, um, if, in their opinion, any job is better than no job, then probably they're going to put the union leadership under pressure. I mean, this is what this is part of the background of what happened in VW with the five thousand times five thousand project that this is based on. There was high unemployment in Germany, and um, the union was under a lot of pressure um, to make wage concessions and to claim victory for creating jobs. I mean, there's a real, one of the downsides to this is, of course, that, that nobody knows if these, how sustainable these jobs are. I mean, one of the plants that General Motors is closing in, in the U.S., Lordstown, one year ago they agreed to, uh, they, the workers agreed to a round of concessions that involved outsourcing quite a bit of work uh, that was being done in the plant. Um, now, a year later, the plant is being closed. And the workers really feel a sense of betrayal, um, and they realize after the fact that they made concessions for jobs and, and the company just didn't deliver. So there's a real question about whether, how sustainable it is, uh, these jobs, and whether the, whether the company is going to deliver in the long run. Some labor experts in Korea suggest implementing co-determination, where workers' representatives are allowed to participate in board meetings. What would your advice be on on that possible compromise or solution? I mean, okay, this is not a solution to the problem of social dumping um, because uh, there's no guarantee that the worker representatives are going to be able to uh, to achieve better wages and working conditions. It is really good, though, in terms of democracy. Um, and in terms of um, kind of having a trade union movement that is more informed about what is going on in the firms, um, you know, this can be this can help them ratchet up wages and working conditions, maybe. But you know, in, in Germany, these the, the the auto companies have very strong co-determination. Um, the worker representatives are extremely well informed about what is going on, and social dumping takes place. Anyway, um, because the because worker representatives feel like they're under pressure to um, deliver jobs, and they and okay, ma- management puts them in a position where they don't have much of a choice other than to accept uh, uh, conditions, even where the workers are involved at the board level. So you know, it's it's good for democracy, but it doesn't 
it doesn't necessarily solve the problem of social dumping. Dr. Greer, thank you very much for speaking with us again. Well, it was wonderful to talk with you. Likewise, Dr. Ian Greer, speaking to us from the School of Inter- uh, sorry, Industrial and Labour Relations at Cornell University, an issue which... To be perfectly honest, for someone working in the media industry as I am, it feels quite alien. Um, this uh, power of the unions clashing with the power of the management, but it is the backdrop to a story that comes up repeatedly in this country as we deal with uh, a, a labour crisis in certain regions. And uh, even more so now under a Moon administration that is taking the voice of the labourers more seriously.